episode of Preview in the Pokes. I'm your host, Josh Criswell. Got a lot of good stuff to get into today. Joined right now by Jason Turner from the Herald Journal, covers Utah State, does an excellent job out there. And it's been an exciting year to be covering the Aggies, to say the least. You know, Utah State picked to finish second to last in the Mountain Division. Now two games left, hold a one-game lead. And, you know, it definitely not what a lot of people have expected, but you've been around this program for a little bit. W- would you say it's safe to say this team has far exceeded his expectations heading into the year? Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know how a sound-minded person could say they haven't. I, I mean, I, I know obviously people within the program always are going to set high expectations for themselves, but based on what happened last season and with it being an entirely different coaching staff, for the most part, they did retain a couple of guys, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a smashing success to say the least. Right, and you mentioned almost an entirely new coaching staff. Also, got a lot of new faces in terms of guys on the roster. I think you know, starting quarterback, leading tackle, leading tackler, leading rusher, all those guys are new to the program this year. You know, how big of an impact has it made? You know, for Blake Anderson just being able to turn this thing around so quick, bringing in so many new guys. Yeah, you know, I think it's been a good combination of uh, returning players and and uh, guys he brought in from the transfer portal. And I think the thing a, lo- a lot of people are excited about is the lion's share of those guys from the transfer portal have multiple years of eligibility. So you'll see guys like Logan Bonner, quarterback, uh, running back Calvin Tyler Jr., Quazel White, one of the starting offensive linemen. All those guys are going to be back next season. Same with the defensive ends, Byron Vaughn, uh, Patrick Joyner Jr., so... That's the bigger thing is is they're not one-and-done players. Most of them aren't, at least. Right, and, you know, for me, at least, one of the first things uh, that stands out to me looking at Utah State is the balance they have on both as far as the running and the passing game goes. I think they're the only team in the league that's in the top five in both categories. You know, for you, what what would you say has been the key to the success, both running the ball and throwing it? Um, Well, I I think one of the biggest keys has been – the development of the wide re- wide receivers. I think Kyle Cephalo is a proven wide receiver coach. He did a really good job at Arkansas State. Had two of their the last two Sunbelt Offensive Players of the Year were his receivers. So, and those guys were both Belitnikov semifinalists, second team AP All American. So, I think that's a big thing right there. Is I think Ceph- Kyle Cephalo has really helped develop that staff and bringing back Devin Tompkins. Obviously, was the still of the year. I mean, we talk about these newcomers from the transfer portal, but uh, convincing him to withdraw from the transfer portal and come back has been the steal of uh, Blake Anderson and uh, Kyle Cephalo's recruiting, honestly, for this year. Right. And, you know, you mentioned Devin Tompkins, another Bolitnikoff semifinalist. You know, what's the thing? I I believe he's leading the country in receiving. What's the thing that makes him such a dangerous weapon to have there on the outside? Uh, I think it's a couple of things. The guy has re okay. I think probably three things. He's he's tough. He's not he's not afraid to go up and catch contested passes. Um, he's got great hands. If if there's a ball in his area, you know you almost expect him to come down with it. I've never seen a, a kid who's five eight high point a ball as well as he does. I mean his timing when he jumps and he jumps. I mean, he, he's, he's, he can sky, but it's his timing, I think, that's most impressive. But uh, I've seen it time and time again this season where he's just – he's elevated over taller defenders and, and cut basically 50-50 balls. So that pro- that's probably what impresses me the most, but he does have really good hands. And, he, and he's fast. He is, he is definitely fast. 
Right. And, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that has to have Utah State fans excited is just the way things are trending is, you know, they hit the home stretch of the season, had those back to back losses, I think probably about a month and a half ago now. But they've really been rolling. And especially last week, I mean, you absolutely dominate a talented San Jose State team that's had its ups and downs. But as Wyoming fans know, like the Spartans are a team that can give you trouble. Um, you know, looking back to that win, what was the thing that impressed you the most last week? Uh, honestly, the thing that impressed me the most was uh, the way the defensive line dominated their offensive line. And that's the most, that's the most experienced offensive line in the Mountain West. I, those, their five starters have started a combined 152 games there. And the Aggies just really dominated the trenches. Nobody, I don't think anybody was really expecting that. I mean, they had 150 yards of total offense, 12 rushing yards. The Aggies had seven tackles for loss in the first half. That's what really stood out to me was just Utah State's defensive tackles, defensive ends. Right. And, uh, you know, this last one for you here, going to put you on the spot. You know, I think Utah State enters this game as a, a seven-point favorite. Uh, you know, what's your prediction for what's going to unfold on Saturday? You know what? I think Aggie fans were pretty worried about this game earlier in the season. Um, I mean, after those two losses, those back-to-back -back losses, they were, they were like one of the bottom teams in the country in rush defense, <laughs> averaging over 200 yards a game. And they've really turned a corner the last few, few, few weeks. Um, gave up 12 yards rushing against San Jose State, 12 yards against New Mexico State. Hawaii had like 50, something like that. So they've given up 80 yards rushing the last three games. And obviously that's something that Wyoming hangs its hat on. So uh, Aggie fans were pretty nervous about the game earlier in the season, especially when Wyoming – because Wyoming got it to 4-0 start, if I, rem if I remember correctly. So, uh, I don't know. I just think the, I think the Aggies are just playing really well right now, and they've, they've shored up the area that Wyoming could exploit the most. But, I mean, Wyoming's defense is really good, and they know how to get teams in low-scoring games. So, I think it'll be pretty close. So I, I, I do think the Aggies probably win by 10 points, two touchdowns maybe. That, that'd be my prediction. Probably – I don't know, 28, 17, 20, 28, 21, something like that. Good stuff. You just heard from Jason Turner from the Herald Journal. Jason, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Josh. Thanks for your time. All right. Now, as we do every week, going to be joined by David Graff to help break down what went down last weekend in Boise, as well as take a look ahead at the Cowboys' final road test of the season coming up on Saturday at Utah State. You know, David, it was a, a disappointing performance, to say the least, out at Boise, I think, in my opinion, because it didn't necessarily seem like the Broncos outplayed the Cowboys. The Cowboys just continuously uh, kept shooting themselves in the foot, really. But, you know, for you, looking back at last week's game, what was your biggest takeaway from Boise? Yeah, you kind of nailed it there with Levi Williams' signature phrase of shooting themselves in the foot. There was a lot of that. I don't think that either of those teams deserved to, you know, win the game. But obviously, Boise came out on top. It was much closer than 23-13. That game was – I mean, a few things go differently for the Pokes, and they're right in that game. And then, you know, they score a last four-second touchdown to make it a little bit closer and uh, make some Poke fans a little bit happier with the outcome of the game there. I, I honestly it, – it's kind of the same old story that when Craig Bowl takes his team to Boise to take on the Broncos, they just kind of – they don't play horribly. They don't play spectacularly. They just 
kind of are there. They're playing a football game. We'll see how it goes kind of thing. There wasn't really a whole lot of urgency, I didn't think. But, uh, you know, the the call that everybody's going to be talking about from that game is uh, why why did they decide to drain the clock at the end of the half and then Boise State ends up getting enough time with getting the ball back with enough time to add a field goal. You were at the game. What were your overall impressions? Yeah, you know, especially there, I guess, early midway through the fourth quarter, whenever the Cowboys were driving, they were down, I think, a point at the time. And you're driving down and you get yourself to what you think is the opponent's 30-yard line. And really at that point on that drive specifically, all the momentum was on the Cowboys' side. They were moving the ball efficiently. And then kind of as they had all game long, right, when they get in an opportunity to have some success, they take two steps backward. They get called for holding, turns a first and 10 from the 30-yard line. Um, actually, I forgive myself. I think that might have been a six-point uh, Boise State lead. But either way, have the ball within field goal range, a chance to take the lead there in the fourth quarter, get the holding call that turns a first and 10 from the other team's 30 into a first and long from – back on your side of the field and that kind of had forced the Cowboys to get out of what they were doing well Levi Williams trying to make a play forces a pass a little bit bounces off Trayton Welch's hands and into the arms of a Boise State defender who runs it down to the 12 yard line and pretty much seals it with that play and uh, but, but you mentioned it you know it was kind of just a overall lack of aggressiveness especially on the offensive side of the ball it seemed like and obviously you know they're down receivers so I don't expect them to be airing the ball out all the time, especially with as much attention as teams are playing, uh, paying towards Isaiah Nair. But you mentioned at the end of the first half, just really mind-boggling. Craig Bull discussed the decision. You know, they got the ball back in a tie game, all the momentum on their side seemingly, and you have a chance to go down, at least kick a field goal with, I think it was about two and a half minutes left at the time. And uh, they just run the ball three straight times, punt it away with 50-something seconds left, and all of a sudden Boise tacks on a field goal. And, you know, really from that point on, you know, Nair had a, a touchdown in the final seconds that made it look a little prettier. But Boise State really kind of dominated after that point. So I think just the the lack of aggressiveness, you know, I know Craig Bold talking, you know, on Monday about the decision to kind of bleed the clock a little bit there. Uh, basically it made it seem like they wanted to see if they could get that first down. And if they got the first down, that would probably change their sense of urgency. In my opinion, at that point in the game, you just need to capitalize on all the momentum you have, though. And then again, in the fourth quarter, I don't necessarily think that this was a terrible decision because they were at their 40-yard line. You know, you have, I think, about seven or eight minutes left when they decide to punt it away down 13. But as we saw, that decision came back to bite them. Boise State drains pretty much all the time off the clock, makes it a two-score game, and it was uh, it was pretty much over at that point. It was uh, definitely troubling. I, I can't blame them too much, though, for the fourth and ten punt from their own 40 just because you, you would like to think you can trust one of the best you know defenses in the conference to get a stop there. Also, if the offense, which had been struggling at times, doesn't get the first down, it's game over right there anyway. Ultimately, didn't matter. They uh, it was over by the time Boise State was done with their next possession. But it was uh, it, it was troubling. I think it was a game that the Cowboys had multiple chances to take control of, and they just never did. Yeah, it was a weird game. It's it's one of those weird games that you just kind of get when you play late at night in Boise on the blue turf sometimes. The the funniest thing about that game looking back was 
It was a Michael Katz special. Katz used to cover the Broncos before he came and covered Wyoming, and he loved Isaiah Nayor. He was the biggest Isaiah Nayor fan last year. He said, this guy's going to be real special. And, of course, Nayor scores the long touchdown there at the end. And that long touchdown led me to another thing. It got me thinking, when was the last time somebody from Wyoming caught a touchdown that wasn't Isaiah Nayor? Do you know the answer to that one? Was it Xavier Valaday against, like, Northern Illinois or Ball State? was Trayton Welch against Ball State. And Trayton Welch is the only other player to catch a touchdown this season. He's got two. Nayor's got, I think, nine on the season. So I thought that was really interesting. I think that maybe if somebody could help Nayor in the passing game, we might, we might see a much improved offense. Kind of all they – everything is all symbiotic. It all goes together. We'll see what happens. That leads us into Utah State this weekend. The, the Cowboys head out to Logan. What are you expecting on your journey to the Beehive State? I think I think that's what Salt, not Salt Lake. Salt Lake's not a state. Utah. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a very interesting game. Uh, both teams with a lot to play for. Obviously, drastically different things to play for. Utah State. It seems like they can probably lock up that uh, that Mountain Division title with at least one more win, um, and this would be a huge one for them. Easily the toughest test on their schedule left with New Mexico, I think, wait in the final week. And then you look at Wyoming. I mean, they're still trying to get bowl eligible as bad as these past six games have been, one and five during conference play. They still have a chance to play in the postseason. Uh, you know, and obviously their 4-0 start is the reason why why they're still in that opportunity, but it, it's going to be tricky. You know, we've talked about it. I've, you know, even players have even talked about it. It, it doesn't feel like one win's going to be enough to get you in necessarily. Uh, it obviously will determine, you know, how many teams are eligible and um, you know, you'll make your mind spin if you try to do projections at this point in the year. But I, uh, I think a win over boy over Utah state, if you can only get one win in the last two games, this is the win that can kind of put you over the hump. And if you're a six and six team, I think it's one that you can look back on and say, okay, that gets them into the, into a bowl game. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think it, it's going to be a big challenge for Wyoming's defense. They haven't faced an offense this balanced yet this year, I don't think. Um, I think Utah State's the only team in the league in the top five in both rushing and passing offense, just really able to do everything. Devin Tompkins, one of the best receivers in the country. So it's going to be a big challenge for them. I think one thing that gives me a little bit of optimism, though, coming off of last week is how well the Cowboys did defensively whenever the field got shortened down. I think there were six times whenever Boise State got within uh, Wyoming's 40-yard line or so. Only two of those resulted in touchdowns, one coming off the interception, the other one coming after a uh, field goal offsides call. So I, I like the Cowboys' abilities to get stops whenever they need to. But with the way this Utah State offense has been putting up points, you're going to have to score, I would say, at least 24, 28 points to get the win, which – hasn't been the uh, the easiest task for this offense as of late. Yeah, the Aggies are coming off their most impressive performance of the season, arguably. They manhandled San Jose State 48-17 in San Jose. 
I don't see how the Pokes are going to be able to keep up on the scoreboard if it's that kind of game, but the defense can certainly keep Wyoming in this game. They did that against Fresno State, holding Fresno to only 17. Could have been less if a couple things had gone differently in that game. You never know. Late in the season, there's a trophy on the line. You never know. That That's all I'll say. Any predictions for the game before we head out? Um, maybe it's wishful thinking more than anything, but for a storyline's sake, uh, give me a little something to write in my notebook. I'd love if we could see Jalen Sargent out there finally back in his hometown of Logan, Utah, the guy we heard about all throughout fall camp, but haven't really seen on the field. So maybe we'll see him this week, but prediction wise, I I think it's tough. I, uh, I feel like I keep getting these wrong week to week. I actually, I think I have a worse record in conference play than the Cowboys do at this point, as far as predictions go. But I, uh, I think I got to go with Utah state, just looking at what they were able to do last week against the team that Wyoming ultimately wasn't able to come up with a win against, Uh, you know, I think the Cowboys do have a shot. Um, I think their defense gives them that opportunity, but I still see Utah State winning this one probably around uh, 28 to 21 or something like that. You think that the – let me get this clear. You think that the game is 28-21 or you think Utah State is going to put it on the pokes by 28 or 21? 28 to 21 final score. Okay. Well, currently, if you're into this kind of thing, Wyoming is – plus five on the road. That seems a little, a little light. I'll say that. I think that down two points from earlier this week, maybe that's uh, I don't know, plus five. I, I think it might be a, a larger game than that, but we'll see. Maybe it's because you can't gamble in Utah, but you can gamble in Wyoming. So maybe the pokes getting a little bit more uh, money thrown down on them. A little hometown love there. Certainly plausible. Certainly plausible. Well, I'll just say that I don't think that this is the weekend that the Cowboys become bowl eligible. I I think you're going to have to wait until that Hawaii game and then see where the chips chips lay, where the cards lay. I I can't even think of my my poker expression now. They're all jumbled up in my head here. Well, that's all I'll say about this weekend. We'll see if the Cowboys can prove us wrong. You've been listening to Preview in the Pokes. I'm Josh Criswell. He's David Graff. Make sure to download, listen, and subscribe to the YO Sports Podcast. Get episodes to your phone every week. And also go to yosports.net for all things Cowboys football. Ride for the brand.